Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds one. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you have not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. And of course, read us over at Indie Cornrows. We always want to hear from you and get your feedback. I'm really stoked today to be joined by James Boyd from over at the Indie Star. He's a new beat reporter over there uh, covering the Indiana Pacers. Uh, he did a great podcast with Alex Golden, you know, talking a little bit more about his background, getting to know him that I recommend going and listening to. We're going to talk a lot about uh, yesterday's game with the Utah Jazz, some of what James has seen first coming in as well. And um, first of all, I mean, James, how are you doing, man? It's uh, it's nice to meet you face to face. I've seen you on the calls a little bit, but good to, good to, good to speak one on one. Yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm glad to be on another podcast, obviously trying to make my rounds and, yeah. and as many appearances as I can, because this is probably as important as I'm ever going to be. <laughs> oh, I won't say that. It's, it's, you know, it's exciting. I'm the new guy, but. Um, all of you all have been pretty gracious to me, so I'm just excited to, to get rolling and finally be in the groove of writing again, um, you know, and actually covering a team. I know for a while I had the news out there that I was the new, you know, beat writer, but everyone was asking, like, when are you going to start? When are you going to start? It's like, I'm finally starting. So that question has been put to bed. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, first thing I'll ask you, too, because you're coming from from working over at University of Illinois, covering some of the teams over there. Uh, yeah, man. So I, I, I didn't tell you this before we got on. I do a lot of stuff covering uh, – like draft prospects, the NBA draft in general. Um, so I watched a lot of Illinois basketball last year to see Ayo Desumu. Uh, I also absolutely love Andre Corbello. Kofi is great, man. Immaculate vibes. Um, what was uh, what was last like last year like for you covering the team? Because that was, I mean, if I remember correctly, that was pretty much like the best Illinois team since Darren Williams was there. So it's been a minute, and they had a lot of expectations coming into a. They kind of got screwed with their seating, for being completely honest, but. Uh, just a really fun team overall. So quick thing, one, it's, it's IO. Uh, oh, my you, bad. Yeah, you're all good. Just It's a it's an Illinois thing. Like, you wouldn't know unless you're, like, on the beat consistently because he'll look mm-hmm. at him, like, you know, you know, player of the year candidate. Um, but as far as um, the team, quick story, I, I never got a chance to cover that team. So mm-hmm. I graduated in 2018. They got good, like, in 2018, 2019. And then I was doing high school and preps. And when I got hired um, to cover Illinois, this was this past May. So this was after Iowa and their season had wrapped up and they had lost Loyola. So in my mind, you know, when I accepted that promotion at the time, I'm thinking, okay, like Iowa's gone. I missed that like era, that three-year window. Cause when I was a senior, 
that was when he committed. So I yeah. missed his career and I was able to be a fan like, you know, on TV or whatever. I never got to cover him or ask him questions. And so this year I'm thinking, okay, I'm back on the beat. They're still going to be pretty good. You got Andre Cabello, you got Kofi Coburn, you know, you got two players who are, might be all Americans again, or, you know, Cabello's kids be the first time. And then, um, like I told you before we got on the podcast, I, I got, you know, I uh, learned about an opening with the Indy star for the Pacers and, you know, took a shot and, and, and the shot went in. So, <laughs> you know, I'm back off the beat already, um, which is fine. Like, I, I guess I could be more of a fan now and um, really tweet out my thoughts. But it was fun, um, at least covering for a little bit. Leading up to the season, I went to Big Ten Media Days, which was here. Uh, the new, you know, game bridge field house and things like that. So it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was a solid experience. Um, it was fun. Um and I'm looking forward to hopefully them making a, a deep run and, and maybe even making it to a game. Cause I, I figure, you know, if they do pretty well and, you know, big 10 tournament and stuff like that, and I'm here in Indy now, I'll be able to at least catch one game, you know, of seeing, you know, Andre and Kofi before they're gone. Cause I feel like I haven't, they were bad when I was there, man. I missed yeah. all the good times, you know, and it is what it is. Yeah, no, it's funny how it works out too. Cause like, I'm stoked. Like I was just watching Coleman Hawkins this morning uh, I'm psyched for him. Like, yeah, just team overall is really fun. Uh, I was really not bummed. Like I was happy for Adam Miller because he's going where he wants, but like he just did yeah. not have the year last year that I think he wanted to, but um, yeah, man, really fun team. I'm excited to see what happens with them this year. Uh, I guess, I mean, yeah, we can transition to Pacers. Now you had your first week on the beat, I guess. First, first question I asked you with that. Uh, how was that for you kind of integrating into that? Well, you know, getting, getting more acclimated with the team and just getting, uh, you know, getting to be writing and, and on the beat in general. Yeah. I think the hardest part is just all the, the red tape you got to go through as far as, um, we have a new, like, you know, for the journalism nerds out there, we were switched over from one, you know, loading system with stories to another. So like I, I knew one of them, like the back of my hands, I'd done mm. it for three years and then now it's like, I, I got to, you know, it's not like I have to start all over, but I have to learn this system. So the behind the scenes stuff is probably the most difficult. Like getting on all the email lists um, right now, I believe my editor is still like forwarding me all like the, the Pacers, like, you know, Zoom invites and stuff like that. Mm. Because right now I don't think they've updated the list yet. And I hadn't had an email, you know, until like a couple of days ago. Um, so that's probably the most difficult part. And I, like I told you before I got on, the easiest part was just getting back into the writing. Like I had to knock the rust off. I was a little slow um, and getting my like initial game story out at the Denver game um, Wednesday night. But I felt like last night I was a little, you know, a little more in the groove, a little more on top of things, just um, getting back in the groove. So um, it was fun. Obviously last night's game, which, I mean, you can ask me whatever, or, I mean, should people have seen the video? It was certainly one that um, got a lot more attention than maybe people anticipated one, because Indiana won, and then two, because of the, the scuffle at the end. I will not call it a fight. There were yeah. no punches thrown. It was not a melee. It was not, you know, anything ridiculous, but it was definitely some uh, some some choice words between two very large men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, it's interesting, too, because just uh, I was – I don't want to say I was down uh, on the team, but, like, obviously they had a really rough start, one and six – um, have been a lot better on this Western Conference road trip. Four and two in their last six. I think they're sixth in net rating right now. Um, they've just been looking a lot better. Part of it too, schedule's been a little bit easier. Um, and it's really hard when you just like look at these two games in a microcosm. They play against the Denver team without their their three best players. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. isn't playing. Cole Jokic was suspended. 
Um, and I yeah, Jamal Murray's still out for a couple of months. And that was a game that was very winnable. There was a lot of stuff that went on in the fourth quarter that just, you know, ugly turnovers. The offense didn't really click um, and just a lot of miscommunication overall. And then you go to this game against fully healthy jazz team and we're saying run them off the court would be the wrong way to put it, but it never really felt like the lead was out of hand once right. um, they hit like midway through the third quarter. Um, so it's just odd, like, okay, I, you know, you know, uh, looking at it and, and just from covering sports in general, I'm sure you feel the same. Like it's very clearly a team that's still getting acclimated to, to having a new coaching staff and new system. Um, you know, when you look at those two games, uh, back to back, how do you feel about that? Cause especially too, like you would think it would be the other way around. Like, you know, the first game is the one that, that you would anticipate maybe being the one that you blow instead of the second one. But um, I mean, this is the second one being the one that you blow instead of the first one. But um, I mean, yeah, what what did you think of that in terms of how the team came out in both games and and, and that uh, kind of dichotomy? Yeah, it was really weird um, because not only were they doing the whole back to back, you know, second night of a back to back, they were still at like a high altitude, you know, mm-hmm. so it wasn't as high as Denver, but it's, you know, Utah is pretty high as well. So you've heard stories about, you know, the breathing issues and stuff like that. So maybe one, maybe it helped to like get your lungs kind of burning in, 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 uh, in Denver one night and, and then come down a little bit lower to Utah and, and having been acting a little bit, a little bit better. I know Chris Duarte looked a little better, you know, having played in high altitude already the night before. Um, and I think one factor was Malcolm Brogdon looked like he had to get the rust off mm-hmm. against Denver and he just came out and, and played really, really well against Utah. Um, but I wonder if this could be a turning point for them. Cause that's like a statement when, like you said, it wasn't you won on some desperation shot. You won because of some fluke play. Um, they soundly defeated them. I mean, granted, every I think all ten players. I know all ten players that into the game for Indiana scored. Um, you know, TJ McConnell's been great off the bench. I think that he's been a, a bright spot throughout the whole road trip as they head back home Saturday. So I wonder if this can be a turning point. I was very impressed with the way they responded. I was a little bit surprised. But I think it goes to show, one, when they have a little bit of health, I mean, Karis LeVert still wasn't there either, and TJ Warren's still not there. But when they have a little bit of health and when Miles Turner is playing like one of the premier bigs in the league, um, this team, in my opinion, is a playoff team. Now, granted, they had the slow start. Will they get there? Um, I don't know. But Malcolm Brogdon, you know, said last night, said the last couple of nights, I want to win. And then he also said, I have to tweet it out to, you know, make the Pacers fans, I don't know, get a little riled up. But he said, um, you know, I want to make some noise in the playoffs. And right now the playoffs are like a question mark. But he, he said it like definitively, like, you know, we're, we're going to be there. We want to we want to make something happen. So um, I wonder with that in mind, if that's a turning point. Yeah. And it, I mean, A, I hope it is. Uh, they kind of need it to be. But like you're mentioning, too, I mean, um, it felt almost like to me, uh, not that like I, I try really hard to not speak in cliches. Uh, I'm, I'm very like analytical and I look at things, but I mean, Miles's response yesterday was, I mean, we can talk about that now because that was um, like, I never want to condone fighting, but like you mentioned, it's not really fighting. Like I honestly thought Miles was, was fine with what he did. I would have been pissed too. He should have gotten a foul call for, for Rudy pulling him down like that. It was a beautiful block on him. Um, frankly, Miles just outplayed Rudy yesterday. Um and it was it was odd too because uh, not to let uh, like like take away from the Pacers, but Utah was just off last night. Part of that yeah. is just the Pacers playing well, but Utah was definitely off last night. But um, just with Miles, like um, 
I mean, I don't know how much you follow his career throughout, but that's never really been his MO. Um, and I appreciate seeing that from him. I've never bought into some, some people can be a little bit too harsh with him, I think. Um, but to see him with that fire last night and, and considering, you know, especially the last six or seven games, is probably the best stretch of his career. Um, so it felt like a big turning point, especially listening to immediate availability last night and hearing how he thought about it and felt about it. It seems like a, a really big thing and, and not to just make like a big climax out of it, but they play Philadelphia tomorrow. And just going over some stuff for right up this morning, like, and obviously I knew it going in, but like, he's been absolutely outplayed, run off the court, playing against Joel Embiid every game of his career that they've met up. Like, he's the one guy that kind of stops him from being that 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 defensive player of the year caliber player. Um, so, I mean, yeah, what did you take away from that? Uh, how did you feel about it? Especially in the moment, too. I was, I was not ready for it to happen because the camera pans away after the block. And then well, it pans back really quick, and they're just like, you know, going at each. I'm like, what is going on? But yeah, see, this is why I can't wait to get on the road, man. I'm yeah, sure down a few weeks with travel plans and stuff like that, where I can really, you know, be able to detail the fans like what happened, you know, when the cameras weren't like rolling for like tip television, because obviously, I keep my eyes glued to whatever's whatever's going down. Um, but my takeaway from Miles' performance is, and I did like a quick follow up story on it. Y'all can check it out on the Indie Star website. Um, is was this like his in my mind? I didn't mention this like simply in the story, but in my mind, the theme of it kind of when I was thinking of it is like, was this like his defensive player of the year moment? Um, because you know, you always have MVP moments, you have defensive player of the year moment. You have like, you need to have like a moment, I feel like, with the NBA in a way, you know, media kind of votes on these awards. You want to have a moment. Uh, granted, this wasn't on national TV, but the Jazz are a really good team. Um, you know, Rudy Gobert is the reigning defensive player of the year, won it three times. And you, like you said, he outplayed him. I mean, you can look at the box score and be like, oh, well, Rudy had more points. We're like, no, you have to watch the game. Like, he outplayed him. Um, Miles hit some huge threes. He had three threes and three blocks, uh, which just shows like his versatility. Um, so I think that that was one he probably had circled. I know that when we talked to Rick Carlisle before the game, he was saying, like, you know, this is going to be a matchup of, like, you know, two, two of the best right now, basically the two best, roaming the paint. Um, he said it's like a level of artistry. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but um, what he pulled off last night was more or less art. I mean, he, the timing that he had on his blocks, I mean, he had the back-to-back blocks in the Denver game. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, and, and Rick Hall talked about that as well. But to come out, go toe-to-toe with Rudy Gobert, who is, I mean – People can have their opinions about the guy, but he's a Hall of Famer. He can retire today, go to the Hall of Fame. I mean, I'm not, a, I guess, a fan of his play style, but I don't really think anyone should care about play styles if you're productive. So for him to do that against three-time Beast Player of the Year um, on the road, on you know, the second out of back-to-back, that's that's something that he can, you know, look at and be like, okay, where do I go from here? And like you said, you know, you don't have any drop-off. You're, you're going against – you know, obviously one of the most talented players overall, and just Bigman, one of the players in the league when it comes to Joel Embiid. I'm assuming he's healthy. I know he had the COVID issue or protocols recently. So um, this could be a one of those stretches, or at least two game stretches, where you're looking like, okay, like, are, are you for real? And that's kind of been the question with Miles. Um, he's been up and down throughout his career with his play. But like you said, and like everyone's seen, he's been very consistent the last few games, offensively and defensively. And, I mean, he's averaging over three blocks a game. Only playing the league doing that. Like, that's that's not easy to do no matter how big you are. 
Yeah, no, he's been he's been awesome, man. And I'm I'm just hoping it carries for him too because he's great dude to speak with. I, I love Miles every time I've interviewed him. I quickly learned that he might be my favorite interview. Um, I've learned that I knew Malcolm was like pretty serious. He gives really good answers. Um, really, when I say good answers, I don't mean like he answered my question. I mean like he gave some decent insight and, and usually doesn't just you know say whatever just to get out of the media room. Um, and then Miles has like the spice. And I, yeah. <laughs> I figured it'd be a little spicier last night. I mean, I wasn't sure how to feel it out because I never interviewed him like, you know, one-on-one or I never asked him questions directly. But, um, you know, he definitely wasn't afraid to, to talk about what happened. I think that's what I enjoyed about covering a pro team now. For example, I was telling my mom this earlier when I talked to her. When I covered high school and college, if a player gets ejected, you're not talking to him. You might not talk to that player or that male or female for a week or so, you know, since so, so stuff blows over because you got to protect the brand of the school and stuff like that. But these are all grown men in the NBA. So, you know, if they want to talk, they can talk. And he, he talked a lot. And I fired off some tweets with some, uh, you know, some choice of words that I didn't put in our print. Had to bleep that out. I put expletive. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, he's, it, was, it, was, it was a fun game, fun, fun environment. I know people get upset about it. And some people might be like, this is, you know, ridiculous. But I like all the smoke. Bring it. I welcome it. You know, I'm a chimney with that. So, I mean, long <laughs> Let's do it. Like, I mean, that's that's what makes it fun, right? You don't want to like every opponent. So that's what makes it fun. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. And I'm excited to see them play again. I don't know. It's not on my calendar yet. So it's going to be a while before they play again, probably like January or February or something around there. But regardless, um, I guess, you know, kind of the theme of the pod is turning point. And, and like you mentioned, obviously they play Philadelphia, chance to go to six and eight or drop five and nine. And then they have a really tough schedule coming up still. Like this next week isn't terrible. They play New York again, who they actually routed recently, but that should be a tougher, tougher game. Detroit. Uh, Charlotte, New Orleans, that week's not bad. But then with Chicago, you hit the Lakers again. You hit Toronto. Uh, you hit Milwaukee. You hit Minnesota, Atlanta. Like, this, it, it's not going to be an easy stretch. So you got to win as many games as possible. And more importantly, I mean, banking wins against teams that are good in the East is, is going to be tough and really important. Um, I guess like you're mentioning, too, with talking about health, uh, where are you at in in what this could look like when Karras comes back? Because I know it's uh, it's kind of indefinite right now with Karras. Um, seems like, like Rick mentioned yesterday, kind of a day-to-day thing. Um, TJ has played incredibly well off the bench. Uh, there was a little bit more herky-jerkiness when him and Karras were playing together. Um, and not, you know, just on Karras. It's just, you know, it's hard. The way that they were staggering ball handlers wasn't working quite the same, but um, you know, what do you think about in this team moving forward, how they are, are dealing with incorporating guys back from injuries and trying to figure out the rotation? Because one of the things that's been constant this year has been how inconsistent the rotation is. And it's not on Rick. I mean, that's just how it's been. Yeah. I mean, Pacers fans have reminded me or informed me uh, a lot. Um, they won't let you forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About the injury woes, um, not only this season, but just over the last few seasons, kind of been the story of, mm-hmm. 
last few years um, with this group. Um, I think with Karis, it is a bit concerning because, you know, he played Sunday and they get their first two games, two days off of the season. And then he's out at Denver. It's like, you know, you got extra rest. Why are you out? And then, if, you know, Carlisle told us that, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't a re-injury, just feeling a little sore, a little stiff. And you, we asked how I asked again yesterday and before prior to the game, Hey, you know, downgraded to out again, like what's going on. And he, then he says like, you know, these things kind of take time. He's day to day. And it's like, you're wondering, like, if I don't see him Saturday, I, I'm wondering if it's something a little more concerning than just back soreness. Like, like mm-hmm. is your back sore? <laughs> like, like what's going on? And, he even talked about Rick, that is, about how, you know, Karras needs to, not needs to, but they're watching film, trying to find ways that he can maybe stay upright more and not, you know, be on the floor. But he's a slasher. He's a, he's kind of like, you know, a guy who can go get you a basket at the rim, which comes at a cost in the NBA. So I think that all that in mind, if he can get healthy, he's a guy that you need if you want to, you know, not only make the playoffs, but make some, like, like Malcolm said, some noise in the playoffs because, the playoffs, anybody who watches, it's all about matchups and schemes. And sometimes you just need a guy to go get you a bucket no matter the scheme. And Karras has the size and the skill set to go do that. And that's just the NBA sometimes. Like you can scheme all day. You can have the best sets. But there are times when great players like, you know, LeBron, KD, who is already one of the most gifted scorers ever, they just go get a basket. And that's that's the play. Now, you can't do it like those guys. I'm, I'm sure no, no Pacers player can go do it like those guys every single play every night. But Karras can occasionally get you a bucket. And I think that that's what you need sometimes, you know, another offensive threat out there. And the same thing with T.J. Warren. I mean, I know he's slowly working his way back. You know, hopefully, you know, he'll make it back by the end of the season. I'm not saying that as a fan because, like I told you before, I don't really care who wins or loses. But I do root for guys to be healthy. Like, I want them to be able to do what they love. So, you know, a healthy Pacers team is a playoff team. And I think Karras, um, who is more of a realistic you know, chance of returning soon, gives them a, a really good chance to do that. And like you alluded to, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but TJ's been great. Um, I like him. He just, I mean, I've liked him before I covered the Pacers just because he does good things. Like that'll be my, my, like, you know, evergreen tweet for TJ. He just does good things. Like he might not go off and score 21 points he did last night, but he will do good things. He will play hard. That, I mean, that hard and smart, that's all you can ask for from your backup point guard. And, um, you know, he's he's been thriving. Yeah, he was incredible last night. Um, like, I mean, uh, part, of, part of it was him, him and Malcolm both just went right at Rudy. And obviously you can't just shoot everything through him. But, right. I mean, TJ, it was, it was really tough because the first, I think, probably seven or eight games of the year, he was really struggling with that that little like eight to ten foot pull up, which was money for him last year. I think he shot like forty eight or forty nine percent on that last year, which was just about tops in the league. Um, and it's been around forty percent this year, which doesn't seem like it would be that big of a difference, but it, it's felt like very tangibly different. And that finally felt like it was back for him over this this Western Conference stretch. Um, and I'm really hoping that's what we see from him moving forward because you like like you mentioned, like you saw already how much of a difference that makes. Like even just. Okay, if he if he comes off of a a, a cut from the slot, if he's off ball, uh, he's been incredibly active. Like even just, I think he had what three or four offensive rebounds yesterday. He just does a little bit of everything. Yeah, the offensive rebound right before the, the half. <laughs> yeah, he kind of flex there next to Rudy, and I'm like, you know, and it's funny seeing TJ out there because he, I think that he's the 
you can see yourself in, in TJ because he's not the biggest, not the fast, not the strongest, but he plays extremely hard. He is extremely skilled. He is extremely athletic. I think we'll kind of forget the NBA players, no matter what you do. If you're in the NBA, you're athletic, very athletic, you know, 90% of the 99% of the time, especially at TJ's size, but he just doesn't do anything that's very like, wow. But then you look at the box score and it's like, you know, he's plus 10, he's plus 11 because he's doing all the little things that matter. And he's a guy that, you know, if you want to, again, make the playoffs, make some noise, you need guys that can come in and give you positive minutes, no matter what, if it's, like you said, the extra offensive rebound, you know, scoring. He has that little, like, you know, he'll circle the baseline and he'll just pull up for like a little fadeaway over the, over a giant. And, um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, he's, been, he's been rolling lately. Uh, you know, taking less threes as well, which is a good thing. I know he's yeah. kind of struggling there. So just being smarter about what he does, and I have no worries that he'll continue to do that. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Um, well, I guess I can transition too. Uh, where, what have you thought of Domas so far? He um, had a little bit of a tougher road trip than I think everybody else. Um, not that he was bad, but it's just been, um, you know, not as much as what we're accustomed to seeing from him. Uh, mm-hmm. So w- what have you thought of him so far this year? I think teams know, or at least now, um, one, it's probably a byproduct of not having some of your guards in the rotation to take attention off of you. Um, like we talked about, Levert's been out, Brogdon's been out, then he comes back and gets struck and he's out again. So, like, that that doesn't help you when you look at a scouting report because then, you know, obviously everyone knows, like, Domas is very talented, 20 and 10 type of guy. Um, but I also think that it, it's become evident, and it, I mean, it's always been evident, but he's not the biggest guy. Yeah. So, if you're not able to space the floor and knock down perimeter shots or get a pretty good ball movement or keep people at home, you know, it's, it's fairly easy for a bigger defender to, to give him trouble, you know, or even for a help defender because he can't really see over the defense as good as others. Um, and, and, and also I will point out that he probably gets beat up a little bit more than like, he gets calls for it, which I'm not patient. Like, oh my God, he's finally seeing it. It's like, I'll, I've watched a couple of games. Uh, I don't agree with every call. Sometimes he pushes off with the off arm because he's just shorter and he can't get the shot up. But there are also a few where he, you know, gets beat up, he doesn't get the call. So I think that he's, I think it, it's a unique situation with him and Miles because Miles is kind of taking off and he's, you know, having his, his issues. But I, I wouldn't give up on the guy. He works hard, he plays hard. Um, I just think that they have to be able to have a little more continuity with their guard play to take some of the pressure off of him in the post where he can really go to work. Cause he can usually win his one-on-one matchups if the guy is not like, you know, Rudy Gobert or somebody. Um, he's proven he can, I mean, you don't average 20, 10 and five if, if you can't play, you know, high level basketball. But I just think that one, he can get back to a really a higher level of play, but I don't know if we're going to see those numbers again if we have Miles playing well, or if I shouldn't say we, if they have Miles playing well, you know, if they have Malcolm playing the way he does, his numbers are going to go down. It's just finding a way to fit him in there. Um, and, and I think that even with some of the things that he hasn't done well, as far as off, offensively, he's still rebounding. I mean, he's still, mm-hmm. you know, taking advantage of, of, of crashing the glass. And, and that's kind of what I look for in players and, and players you consider to be better or, or, or good or great players. What do you do on a bad night? How productive are you when you don't have your stuff going? And he seems to be still, you know, adding some type of positive impact to the game. 
Yeah, no, that's that's a really great point. Like he's been extremely good at being opportunistic this year uh, in a way that he didn't really have to be last year. Like he's always been pretty good at flashing into space or, or just attacking the offensive glass. Like last night, trying to pull up the numbers, I think, yeah, 53 boards to 37. I think it was 37 and 19 at half. Like they were absolutely demolishing them on the glass, which was huge. One of the things I do have questions about moving forward this year, though, um, I mean, they play pretty much a strictly five-out offense. They they almost rarely align four out, four out, one in. And that's one of the things that I haven't been as uh, – saying hold on is the wrong way to put it. Obviously, I'm not as smart as Rick. I don't know basketball the same right. way he does. But where Domas really has thrived in past years is when he is touching the ball a little bit more, not even for scoring opportunities, more to get separations for other guys, you know, running more DHOs. And he's still running DHOs, but it's a lot more perimeter-based instead of – uh, more snug or, um, you know, things that get him closer to the basket with easier shots. Cause it's felt like a lot of the opportunities where he's getting at the rim have been more scripted up. Okay. Clear out and let him go one-on-one in the post, but that's not quite as, like you mentioned, that's not as much what he's good at. Like he's a good post scorer, but he's great at creating stuff out of the post for others. And, um, we just haven't seen it quite as much this year. So I'm interested to see how that, uh, kind of works itself out or, or how Rick sees that. But, um, I mean, thus far, you know, but like the last six games have been really, really positive for sure. I wonder how much of that is might change is looking at three-point efficiency. Mm-hmm. I've had struggled, you know, from shooting the three. And obviously you, in today's NBA, you don't want guys out there that like can't shoot from deep. I mean, you have your, your, your traditional bigs. But there's not many who just can't shoot and, and are productive. But I wonder if like, the three-point shooting is a thing that's maybe uh, just, I don't want to say getting Domus's head, but it's like, if you're not knocking down threes, how are she going to score in a five-out offense? You know, if you're not going to get it in the low post like you were getting in years past, how am I going to get productive? I mean, how am I going to be productive? So um, I think there's still an addressing period, what is it, 13, 14 games into the season. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, we're, we're at the all-star break asking what are the Pacers doing? Um, and some of these guys are probably still getting acclimated. And again, that gets compounded when you don't have all of your guys because, you know, he had 20 and 19 against Denver. And then, you, you, you know, you think you're, you're, you're doing great or whatever. Then, you know, who's, who's to say two weeks from now, Karras isn't back and, and, and playing well and, and Malcolm's playing well and others are, are getting healthier. Even, you know, uh, Keelan, you know, was out for part of the season to start. So like, there's so much going on where you look at like the game and people might be asking like surface level and not even just Pacers fans, just like general NBA fans who don't follow the team as much. Like, Oh man, why aren't they doing X when they have all these guys over there? But it's like, they, none of them have been healthy together. Um, which I mean, I'm not going some wood here and then hope for the best, but it's just really hard. So I want to see one, how they mesh with Rick's offense and, and also defensive principles. And two, can they just shake the injury bug a little bit? I mean, even if, not every guy is available. Can you get a consistent five? You're going to know you are going to be available. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes two of us, man. Like exactly. I think it was stat muse the other day posted something like they posted like the averages of, of the four stars, like Karis, Malcolm, Domas and miles. And they're like, but the team is four and eight. Like, why is that? I don't literally just quote to it. I'm like, because they played one game together. Like, what are we doing here, man? Like just look at basketball reference. I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to be rude, but at the same time, like, we know what it is, man. Like they're, they're just injured. It is what it is. All about um, that engagement, man. You got to <laughs> tweet out the stuff that's going to get the most clicks and retweets. 
Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. But, uh, well, James, this was awesome, man. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, for anybody who doesn't follow James already, you can follow him on Twitter at Romeoville, Romeoville Kid. Um, and you can read him over at the Indie Star. Be sure to go do that and, and subscribe over there. James, is there anything that you want to want to mention? Anything that you're writing about that you're excited about, or just anything in general before we got here? Um, no, I, I feel like I'm still getting in my groove as far as um trying to build a relationship with players, coaches, a little hard to do that boot zone. I'll be glad to finally get to my first home game. Um, fun fact for people who don't know, like I've always been an NBA fan, but I've only been to a game as a fan, maybe probably less than 10 times in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'll be able to go to a bunch of different state uh, arenas and in places and venues now that I probably would have never gone to before. So it's exciting for me as, as a fan of the game to be able to hopefully get out some of these, uh, you know, really cool arenas, see some other other players around the league and hopefully bring you the, the best Pacers content around. Because um, even though I'm no longer an athlete, I like competition. Um, I like, you know, trying to get the best story. I like, and I think that, you know, you all as, as readers and, you know, even guys who are, you know, who I consider colleagues like you, Mark, I mean, I want to bring you the best stuff. I want to make sure you're informed about the team. So I'll do my best to do that and have fun with it. I mean, everyone keeps telling me, you know, this is going to be so hard. And I'm sure it's going to be hard. You know, it was already hard last night when I sent until 3 a.m., you know, pounding out four stories or whatever. But um, this is what I signed up for. My editor, you know, told me, hey, I'm sorry. You're getting slammed with this on like your first week. Hey, I signed up for it. I get paid to write about basketball, cover an NBA team. Um, so life is good. And I'll make sure to, you know, keep bringing the content. So follow me. I'll, I'll try to respond uh, or respond to all the nonsense, as I'm sure uh, Mark can see it and knows. But uh, I have a lot of fun this year. Well, James, I appreciate you, man. To everyone listening, thank you for listening. Most importantly, have a good rest of your day.